I have a, uh, a cordless mic on my side, but it has an antenna that goes up into my armpit. <laughs> you understand what's going on? This is an old, old model. And uh, we did get ripped off over the week. We don't know how that happened, but we've lost all of our PA, PA equipment. I think we'll do fine. Okay, take your Bibles and open up to Daniel chapter 12. And we're going to conclude our study in the book of Daniel this week. The next week we will uh, deal with a, an Easter passage and then begin a new series. So pray with me as I begin to seek the Lord regarding our next study. Let me give you a short overview of the book of Daniel. For those of you who have not been with us from the beginning, the southern kingdom of Judah has rebelled against God, and as a result of her rebellion, God has brought judgment upon his people. Oftentimes, we don't think that God judges these people, but the scripture says judgment must begin at the household of God. And the judgment that God brings is an invasion from the Babylonian Empire, which is a world military force. They sweep down, they defeat the southern kingdom of Judah. The people are scattered and others are captive, and that begins what is known as the Babylonian captivity. They are first under Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, then under Belshazzar, the man who sees the writing on the wall. Now, the book of Daniel consists of a series of dreams and visions. Some of these dreams and visions he gave to the king, others he gave to his prophet Daniel. But in these visions, God speaks, and he reveals two major truths. First of all, that he ruled in the affairs of men. Although there are human kings, God rules over the human kings, whether they realize it or not. He, indeed, is the sovereign of the universe. The second truth he reveals is that there will come a day when his kingdom will be established on earth, and his kingdom will be universal. Then he also gives some details to the visions or the dreams, and he tells of four mighty kingdoms that will rise and fall in succession. First, Babylon, a mighty empire. Second, the Persian Empire. Third, the, Greece, the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. And then fourth, the Roman Empire. Each one will defeat the preceding empire. It's just like Great Britain at one time was a great empire, wasn't it? But it's not the world power now. Then the Soviet Union became a great empire, didn't it? But it's not a great empire now. Germany became a great empire. It's not a great empire now. And America, is, in a sense, is a great empire. We basically are the strongest nation in the world. And in his vision, Daniel discovers that there are going to be four great empires, but each is going to be defeated by the other. And then... Another detail of the vision is that God jumps way into the future and he reveals that there will be an end-time leader, an evil man that we call the Antichrist. And he will take control over the world for a period of time before the Lord sends his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to defeat the Antichrist. So if you go to Daniel chapter 12, that sort of brings us up to date on our study. And beginning at verse 4 of Daniel 12, we have instructions that get God gives Daniel in light of the prophecy. 
And then in verses 5 through 13, concluding the chapter, we have a question and answer session about the end times. So first of all, let's look at the instructions that God gives Daniel in verse 4. And I want you to notice how verse 4 opens. But you, Daniel, now since you see the word but, you recognize that this is a contrast. God is contrasting Daniel with someone else. And he's contrasting Daniel with the people that are mentioned in verses 2 and 3. Now look in verse 2 and look in verse 3. <laughs> and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who shine will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now these pronouns refer to a group of people who are going to live in the end times. Some are evil, they will have a resurrection and they will be judged. The righteous, they will be raised and they will have blessings. So these are people who live during the tribulation period. And the writer identifies these people as those or them. And then he comes to Daniel. But you, Daniel, you're not going to be living during that time. That's way in the future. So now let me give you some instruction. But you, Daniel, look what he wants Daniel to do. Shut up the words. What words? The words to the prophecy that he has received in this revelation. Shut up. You ever think what those words mean? If I told you to shut up, what would that mean? Keep quiet. Keep your thoughts to yourself. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Now God tells Daniel to shut up the words of the prophecy. This is a very important concept and you need to understand it in order to understand the rest of the verses. In ancient times, important documents, and we're talking about wills and deeds and contracts, were written in duplicate. They made an original and a duplicate. The original was shut up or locked away. It was put in a secret place for safekeeping. Do we do the same thing today? With our wills and our deeds and our contracts and our important documents? Yes, we do. We make duplicate copies and the originals are put in a safe deposit box or in a fireproof vault and we shut them up and we use the copies as our working documents, don't we? But we keep the originals safe. And by doing that, you are guaranteeing the protection of the original and you're also guaranteeing the integrity of the original. That means no one can get to the original and no one can change the original document because it has been shut up. Does that make sense to you? Very important that you understand that. That's what we do. Now, I remember a time, and I think everybody in this class remembers a time when you made a duplicate of a document and you did it through carbon paper. <laughs> if you're a lawyer, you remember that. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. We didn't have copy machines in those days, anyway. We didn't have these laser printers. And so you would have to do it on carbon paper. And then you would use your carbon paper, and your original was the document that 
you shut up. Now, what makes that so important is that although the original is shut up, the copies are accessible for public view. So God wants Daniel to shut up the original. Now, we believe that Daniel has copies of his prophecy, which are available for public view, in a sense. So that's very important that we understand that. Now, why that process? Why do we have a duplicate? Because if somebody wants to challenge the duplicate, well, I believe that this thing's been changed. This, this document's been altered in some way. You can always pull out the original and compare it to the duplicate. So the duplicate becomes the working copy. Now, to bring this down home, when my uh, three boys were playing baseball, and they were playing, let's say, 10 to 12 year age baseball, or 12 to 14 year age baseball, the administrators of baseball always wanted to see the children's birth certificate. Why do you think they wanted to see the birth certificate? Because they wanted to make sure that I didn't put a 14 year old in a 12 year old league where he would excel and uh, we would cheat in order to, for him to have a higher batting average than the team to win. Does that ever happen? Yeah. Oh, that happens all the time. So the men of this particular league said, we don't want the copy. We want the original. Now I know why they wanted the original. Because they knew if I gave them a copy with the nature that I have, I might have a tendency to change them. So they wanted the original. Now, it was a terrible mistake. I was very upset because I did not want to give anybody the original birth certificates that they were going to hold on to for a week or two because they could lose them. Isn't that right? It would have been much better if they would have said, give us the copy. Then if they wanted to challenge the content of the copy, what, did they, what could they have done? Just asked me for the original, I would have brought it to them and they could have compared it. <laughs> but this is what we have. So God says to Daniel, shut up the words. Now, not only is he to shut up the words, look what else he's to do. He is, in verse 4, to seal the book. And that basically means seal the scroll, the paper that the words are written on. In those days, you would write uh, a document in, uh, in ink, in a sense, and then you would roll up that document, and at certain points you would put, you would melt wax, and you would put it on the document, and then you would roll it and some wax, uh, melt some more wax and put it on the document, and finally you'd put the last piece of wax, and that held the document in place. And that sealed the document. And that was important because the seal meant that the document was authentic. How would you know if the original was changed? Tell me, how would you know that? Oh, the seal would have to be broken. So he says, I want you to shut it up for safekeeping and I want you to seal it. And that's going to protect the words of this prophecy. You still with me? Now, look at the duration of the seal and the duration of the protection of the words until the time of the end. Daniel's prophecy will not be needed until the time of the end. So Daniel, just seal up and just shut it up because it's not going to be needed until the end of 
the age. What's the reason for all this security? Now this is very interesting. Look at the end of verse 4. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Oh, there's that famous prophet. <laughs> Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Jack Van Ippie's made a living off of this verse. And a lot of prophecy buffs have made a living off of this verse. But I hate to burst your bubble. This does not mean that at the end of the age, there's going to be an explosion of knowledge. It does not mean that. It doesn't mean that at the end of the age, knowledge is just going to increase. There's going to be computer knowledge and space age technology and genetics and DNA studies and fiber optics and all. Can you imagine how knowledge has just increased in the last five years? An explosion of knowledge. I mean, that's a sign of the end of the times, according to Daniel chapter 12, right? Now, that's what it looks like on the surface. But, you know, you have to look at this thing in context, okay? So we get two clues in the end of verse 4. First of all, notice the phrase, many shall run to and fro. This speaks of an intense quest. This speaks of pursuit uh, that takes an effort, a pursuit that takes an effort. That's what that phrase means. And then the next clue is the word knowledge itself. In the Hebrew, the word means understanding. It's not an explosion of knowledge. It's talking about a pursuit of understanding. Now, what will many people be aggressively seeking to understand in the end times? In the context, they're going to be aggressively seeking to understand the content of Daniel's prophecy what's actually happening on earth at the end of the age that Daniel describes here. Now that phrase, run to and fro, seeking knowledge, is a borrowed term. This did not originate with Daniel. This, this term is used in another Bible, another book of the Bible, and I want to show that to you. I want you to look at the next book, which is Hosea, and just keep moving till you find Hosea, Joel, and Amos. Hosea, Joel, and Amos. And when you get to Amos, turn to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. And look at verse 12. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north to south. They shall run to and fro, same phrase, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now, Amos is written prior to about 300 years prior to Daniel. And it's written to the northern kingdom. Daniel's written to the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom is about to be invaded by the Assyrians, which at that time was a world power. And when the people, God's people, see the invasion coming, 
They scurry about and try to understand what's going on here. What's going on here? Why is God allowing the judgment to come? And it says they run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord. And guess what? It says at the end of verse 12. They don't find it. Well, Daniel says at the end of the age, a similar thing is going to happen. God's going to be sending judgment on the world. And he's going to do it through another military leader, the Antichrist. And all kind of havoc is going to happen on the face of the planet. And God's people are going to be running to and fro, seeking understanding. And they're going to turn to the book of Daniel, which has been sealed up and kept safe. And there they will get their answer. Now go back to Daniel chapter 12 and you see that. It says, they will run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase, but it's not knowledge, it's what? Understanding shall increase, and they will, the book of Daniel will be available to them, and they will understand very clearly what's happening on planet Earth. So that's what um, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 is all about. A lot packed into that one verse right there, isn't it? Okay, now we move on to verses 5 through 13 which is a question and answer period, okay? Just if I said, well, let's have some questions and answers, that's what we're going to see beginning in verse 5. Now look what it says. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others. And these are angelic beings. One on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which is an angelic figure that sort of looks human, who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? How long before all these awesome and unbelievable things that have been told in these prophecies, how long will it be? And the wonders, it's, it's a very interesting word there. It says, how long will the wonders be? What wonders? It may be talking about the wonders that the Antichrist produces at the end of the age. And I think that's specifically what it's talking about. Because he'll be able to do signs and unbelievable wonders. He'll be able to call fire down from heaven. He'll be able to do all kinds of wonders. And one angel asks the other, how long will this be? And look at verse 7. We get an answer. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. When he held up his right hand, number one, and his left hand to what? Heaven. He's going to swear an oath. He's going to say, I swear on God's name, but it's not just with his right hand, he also lifts up his left hand to swear the oath. It's a double oath that he's taking. And here's what he said in verse 7. He lifted up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be a time and times and a half a time. And we know from previous weeks that this is a three and a half year period that these wonders are going to take place on the earth. And we know from the book of Revelation it's going to be the last three and a half years of the tribulation period when the Antichrist reveals himself for what he really is and is able to do all kinds of horrendous things on planet earth. And look at the end of verse 7. 
And when the power of the holy people, that's God's people on earth during that time, has been completely what? Shattered. Then all these things will be finished. Well, we know it's going to last for three and a half years, and when the power of God's people is shattered, then it will come to an end. Now, what is the shattering talking about? Well, let me show you. Go to the next to the last book of the Old Testament, which is Zechariah, right before Malachi. And turn to chapter 14. And you know, it finishes when the Lord comes back. And he comes and he rescues his people. And in Zechariah 14, in verse 1, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. Now that's going to be a day of judgment. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil shall be divided in your midst. I will gather all the nations to battle against who? Jerusalem. So here we see God's people. And we believe it's the battle of Armageddon. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the woman ravished. Half the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And here we see this whole scattering, all the evil things that are happening. And then it says, the Lord will go forth to fight against those nations. And when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and he defeats the Antichrist, and you can read the rest of Zechariah. But this is probably what Daniel's prophecy is talking about. The wonders will occur for three and a half years, and the God's people are just shattered. And then it comes to an end. The Lord is going to come back, and the Antichrist is going to be defeated. So that's the answer to question number one. How long will all this be? Okay, now look at question number two. Look at verse eight. Although I heard, now Daniel begins to speak. He hears the conversation between the angels, and he says this. Although I heard, I didn't understand. He couldn't figure out what they were talking about. He said, I didn't understand, and I said, my Lord... What shall be the end of these things? He asked a second question. What's going to be the final outcome after the people are shattered and it comes to an end? What's going to be the final outcome? He's not sure at this point. And so look what it says. What shall be the end of these things? And guess what happens? They give him a nice little answer, don't they? No, he gets a rebuke. <laughs> the angel said, Go your way, Daniel! Why did he say it? Well, let me tell you. He didn't say that. Go your way, Daniel. Mind your own business. See, I've given you instructions. Up in verse 4, you're supposed to be doing something. You're supposed to be putting this document and sealing it up and shutting it up. and You know, go do your own business. Go your way, Daniel. He gets a rebuke. Why do you think the angel rebukes him? I have a theory, and I can't prove it. But Daniel says, I didn't understand this. You know what he says in verse 8? I don't understand. What's it all mean? Go your way. Because curiosity is not enough. It's not a good enough reason. It's not sufficient grounds for getting knowledge about the end time. See, God doesn't want to reveal the end time just because you're curious. Based on your curiosity, he's not under any obligation to tell you all the details. But we want to know, don't we? We want to know all this. 
But even Daniel himself, even, he doesn't understand at this point, but he doesn't give him an answer without giving him a rebuke first. Because mainly, the things that are going to happen at the end of the time are not going to happen to Daniel. He's not going to be around at that point. But after the rebuke, well, we see something. Look at, look at the end of verse 9, because it's very interesting. He said, go your way, for the words are what? Closed up and sealed to the end of time. But you don't need to know that. This doesn't have to be revealed to the end of the age. But then he does say this. He sort of gives him a half answer. He says, well, many shall be made, shall be purified. And something's going to happen. We know that at the end, at the end of it all, there are going to be people who are going to be purified made white and refined and that's going to be God's people the tribulation is for a purpose it's going to produce character in people's lives it's a positive result in the middle of verse 10 it says and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand at that end of the age the wicked won't know what's happening they won't, well, they'll be totally caught off guard when the Lord comes and defeats the Antichrist, they're going to be caught off guard and they're going to be shocked. But guess what? The wise, they will understand. How will they understand? Because they'll have Daniel's prophecy. Because they're running to and fro, pursuing understanding, and they'll be able to understand because they'll have Daniel's prophecy. So that's very important that you understand that. And then look at verse 11. Now it gets really complicated. Now he's going to give us a chronology of the very end of the tribulation period. And this is fun. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now, what's he talking about when he says when the daily sacrifice is ended and the abomination of desolation is set up? Anybody know what that's talking about? Stop when the Antichrist says we're going to stop offering sacrifices to the temple and I'm going to proclaim myself to be God. Jesus calls that the abomination of desolation. So does the Apostle Paul. And he says, read what it says, from that moment on, from the three and a half year mark on, there shall be 1,290 days and that's one month beyond three and a half years. So you have an extra month that takes place. The tribulation is going to last three and a half years, but guess what? He has another month here. What's going to happen at the end of that month? And that extra 30 days. Well, I guess you're going to have to bury all the dead that have been killed in the Battle of Armageddon. That's going to have to happen, isn't it? There's going to have to be a cleanup process. The Bible says that when Christ comes back at the end of the three and a half years, there's going to be a judgment of the nation. That's going to have to take some time. So there's some extra time in here. The temple which has been defiled is going to have to be cleansed. And so instead of saying from the time of the abomination of desolation to the end, it's going to be three and a half years. He has another 30 days and there's going to be a hope. Extra things that are going to be happening during those 30 days. Now look at verse 12. Blessed is he who waits. You, when Christ comes back, there's going to be a little waiting period before everything gets set up the way it should be. Blessed is he who waits. Now watch this next statement. And comes 
to the 1,335 days. That's another extra 45 days on top of the 30. So now we have a total of 75 days beyond the three and a half years of great tribulation before the millennium starts. Now, what's going to happen in those extra 75 days? I don't have any idea. <laughs> but you know something? It's not for us to totally understand that, is it? I mean, if he's not going to give Daniel all the answers, why should he give us all the answers? He said, but I want an answer! You prophecy buffs are so persistent. You always, you always want the details. I don't know what's going to happen, but maybe it'll be like our presidential election. The president gets elected in November, but he's not inaugurated until January 20th at 70 plus days. There's going to come a time when Christ will come back and defeat the Antichrist, there's going to be an extra 30 days, which is going to take place. We don't know what's going to happen, but maybe a cleansing of the temple, maybe the judgment, maybe the burying of bodies. There's going to be another few days. We don't know exactly what it is, but then there's going to be this coronation where the millennium starts. So there is extra days. This is why it's really difficult to interpret prophetic passages. Now, guess what? When it all happens, we'll have perfect understanding. Well... And we'll be able to look back on that verse and we'll say, you know, Street was absolutely wrong. <laughs> it's not like the election at all. <laughs> but anyway, there's a time period there. Okay, now let's look at this last verse, verse 13. But you, how about that? See in verse 12, blessed is he. But look in verse 13. But you, Daniel, and all that stuff's going to happen, you know, in the future. You go your way until the end. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? If you look back in verse 9, it says, he said, go your way, Daniel. Now look at verse 13. But you, go your way. This is what you're to do. You're to do that to the end. Look at this. For you shall what? Rest. Anybody have a guess what rest means? It means you're going to die. Daniel, you're going to rest, you know, rest, R-I-P, rest in peace. <laughs> that means, Daniel, you're going to die, and your body is going to be put in the grave. And guess what? Unless, unless we're here when the Lord comes, all of us will die. And all of us will be laid to rest. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to be laid to rest. This is a message for us. And then look what he says in the middle of verse 14, 13. And will what? Arise. The King James says, you will stand in your lot. I like that. Not only are you going to be put to rest, not only are you going to be put down, guess what? One day you're going to stand back up. New King James says, you will arise to your inheritance. And that's a promise that one day at the end, guess what? Although we won't be through all, in the middle of all this tribulation, we may be dead when all that happens. When the Lord comes back, 
We're going to stand up and we're going to receive our allotted inheritance with all the other things. So we do have a part in the end time scenario even if we die before it all happens. And Daniel's going to be raised. We're going to be raised. And I'll be able to say, Daniel, now you really understand what it was all about. Don't you? And he'll say, now you do too. And I'll say, yeah. And that's what we'll do. We'll understand it. You will arise to your inheritance when? When will you rise? Here it is. At the end of the days. And the revelation says that at the end of the tribulation, that's the first resurrection. And then we will receive our inheritance and we will live and we will reign with Jesus Christ for 1,000 years. And that's the Easter message, which this was on Easter. This is the message of the resurrection. Christ is not the only one who came out of the grave. We're not the only one who will be raised from the dead. We too will be raised from the dead when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And it's going to happen at the end of the day. Lord! The apostle said as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, Will you restore Israel, the kingdom to Israel now? You're ready to do it now? Jesus said, that's not for you to know. The only person that knows that's my Father in heaven. But you, go your way. But you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Until that happens, you've got a job to do. Jesus said, watch and wait. To another, he said, occupy. That means you have an occupation. Occupy till I come. We have a job to do. We don't know whether he's coming today, whether he's coming tomorrow, whether he's coming after we die. But we do have a part in the end because we will receive our inheritance when he raises us from the dead like he raises the others. But until then, we're to be out there telling others about Jesus. We're to be at it. Always at it. All at it. And thus ends the book of Daniel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for our study in the book of Daniel. And uh, it's had a lot of twists and turns, but those who have been with us each week have a, a real grasp on the message. And Lord, we know from this study that you are in control. You're in control of the nations that don't even acknowledge you, whether they realize it or not. You, you are the sovereign God of the universe, and you rule in the affairs of men. And one day, Lord, you will rule universally we'll have our allotted inheritance and we will rule and reign with Christ. We thank you for this great promise that you've given us through this, this prophet Daniel. One day, Lord, we'll have complete understanding. Right now, we know in part that one day we will see things just the way they are. So we thank you for that great assurance in Jesus' name.